0: Welcome to The Advertising Show, America's only radio program
1: focusing on advertising, media, marketing, product development, branding, new media, sales and customer relations. Stay with us for entertaining
0: marketing discussion and our special guest interview. Now, here are your hosts, Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth.
2: It is so great that you're here for The Advertising Show. So how the heck are your holidays going thus far? Shopping all done? Nah. Got everything in order for the end of the year? Nah. Drive-by well, shootings? Yeah, why not? Uh, we have uh, we have confusion, chaos, which is normal at this time of the year. People, oh, yeah. people being not as nice as they should be on the roads. You're seeing that middle finger more and more these days. And hearing the more. But, uh, but other than that, uh, happy holidays to you folks. And uh, the advertising show is being brought to you by... Advertising H Magazine does it online at com. The advertising show, as always, is a copyrighted big radio midgets production. We have for you, not one, but two shows in order for you. Uh, the, the show coming up this weekend uh, is with Alex Ben Block. We're going to look at uh, what's going on on the big screen. And uh, Alex is our uh, entertainment industry journalist. And uh, we'll also have Alex back for a second show. Uh, coming up next week when we focus more on uh, the small screen. So it should be a lot of fun. <clears throat> Excuse me. Alex Ben Block is our special guest. He's senior editor of The Hollywood Reporter. He was the lead editor of George Lucas's blockbusting, a decade-by-decade survey of timeless movies, including untold stories of their uh, financial and uh, cultural successes. Author of the uh, critically acclaimed book, Out Fox, the inside story of America's fourth television network and international bestseller, the Legend of Bruce Lee. Alex has been a part of the advertising show for many, many years and also appears nationally uh, as well on NPR, uh, NPC, CBS, CNN, and a bunch of other great places, too, and has won numerous uh, honors and awards for being an incredible uh, industry journalist. That's enough about Alex. Now let's talk about us. Now, we'll have Alex on here uh, momentarily. Uh, also, we have uh, Jeremy Kent coming up here uh, with his look back at uh, 2012 on The Advertising Show. Rachel and Brad Forsyth. Hello, Brad. Are you still there?
0: I am, <laughs> and I'm hanging on every word. I uh, Every year, as a friend of the show, Linda Resnick and her family send both you and I a, a card as well as a little something from their company. And if you don't know Linda Resnick and her husband, Stuart, uh, their company are the same fine folks that put out uh, Fiji water, for example, the cuties the, cuties, the orange cuties, the Palm Wonderful drink, pomegranates that you see in your store, uh, pistachios. Maybe you've seen uh, some commercials on that in the last year Good or so. Sure, yeah. she does a wonderful job. Her and her husband, she being the marketing genius behind all of that. And every year they send a card out with their family. And I just thought I would give them a little on-air debut and plug. And when you open the card, here's what happens. Enough of that. But anyway, that's the open, <laughs> an opening of a couple verses that you get where their family is singing. But a wonderful family a, great idea, a wonderful that's person, right. Linda Resnick and uh, yeah. a great marketer. And if you want to know more about Linda she's uh, on facebook she's uh, it's l y n d a resnick mm-hmm. i'm sure we'll get you a google and see more than you ever thought one marketing person could do mm-hmm. is right there on your google search you can't anyway. say that they have slowed down
2: in their in their in their not latter years but uh, in their you know throughout their life they seem to be always aggressively Going after something and successfully uh,
0: turning it into a uh, something that uh, somebody else wants. What a great, uh, what a great team! Yeah, and I think it's a good example of a marketer that understands that when a market is down, maybe the best time to uh, gin up your effort uh, of marketing on behalf of some of your brands. And she's done that. Yeah, I think it was last year with the pistachio. Maybe it was the year before the pistachio campaign. And, of course, we all know what a few years back uh, the economy was doing, and she's also done that same uh, marketing effort with several other of her right. products. And of I think her so. products have done well as a result of it. But anyway, she's a great marketer. We'll have her back on the show, I'm sure, in uh, 2013 or someday soon. Sure, absolutely. What's What do you have there? Well, you know, uh, an interesting piece of uh, – 2012 media highlight was the fact that the digital giants are at war according to the new yorker the 2012 media business highlight uh, is crammed with a battle among four digital giants apple google amazon and facebook no surprise there joined by a fifth entrant samsung which was a bit of a surprise Mm -hmm. which now sells more smartphones people may not know this than apple and the sixth uh digital giant out there microsoft being mm-hmm. treated kind of as a uh, also ran uh, you know you there was a time when microsoft not so many years ago was looking down their nose at google and apple and amazon and facebook and they were the giant things have since changed but who would have ever thought that samsung uh, would outsell apple as far as smartphones they're 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 the number one selling phone, I believe, in Asia, which is what puts them ahead of Apple worldwide. That doesn't surprise me as they make a – well, their their brand is very strong.
2: You know, look at televisions, look at all of the other things that they are, are capable of manufacturing. So uh, it, it is kind of surprising, I guess, when you think about it, that they're out, outpacing Apple. I, Apple iPad Mini, uh, do you have one of those, Brad? Or no. maybe you're getting one for the holidays, huh?
0: Thank you. I'll look for that.
2: Yeah. No, I didn't say I was getting one. I said, are are you getting one?
0: Oh, am I? No. I'm not sure. I haven't even gotten the Maxi pad yet, so I'm not sure (laughs) if I want the Mini pad.
2: Well, apparently Um, the the iPad Mini, the game changer, according to uh, uh, Matt uh, Gillis of uh, Millennial Media, a mobile advertising and data platform, uh, impressions from Apple's new tablet recorded by uh, Millennials mobile ad partners grew an average of 28% every day in the month of November. According to them, the mini is a must-have gift. That only is true if you have eyes that are as sharp as uh, lasers to <laughs> to read what's on the Apple iPad Mini. I mean, I'll try trouble with the iPad. You know,
0: you know, I they they didn't get good reviews, as I recall, when they first came no, out. No, they didn't. With that. No, they sure didn't. No, but uh, you know, I, I think. I don't know about you, but I would think it's the iPad market full size that they're trying to reach for that as opposed yeah. to a new market to get, you know, an additional device in the hands of a already user because I'm not sure a, a prior user like myself would say, oh, great, I need a smaller version when you haven't tried the regular size version. That's right, exactly
2: right. Hey, we're uh, we're coming up here on a brick, but what we're going to do is uh, bring on Jeremy Kent to look back at the 2012 In his eyes, ERG is our European correspondent, of course, as you know, if you're a regular listener to The Advertising Show. After that, we have Alex Van Block coming up here. So glad you're listening. Take some time out with us this holiday season and enjoy the stuff that we have here at TheAdvertisingShow.com.
1: Hello and welcome to London for the European News Desk. This week, taxing issues for American brands, John Lewis hits number one and the UK ad agency of the year. Paying your fair share has become a taxing problem for multinational companies trading in the UK and British politicians and the media have singled out American brands for special mention. Amazon, Google and Starbucks have been criticised for paying too little tax to the British government on their UK operations. None of the companies has done anything illegal. They have simply followed very tax efficient accounting procedures that have raised more eyebrows than taxes. Starbucks claimed in an analyst call that its UK businesses were profitable but later went on to file accounts showing a loss, so there was no corporation tax to pay. The media has whipped up a storm and there's been a public backlash and boycott. Starbucks has adopted a more conciliatory position than the other two brands and agreed to pay more tax in future, but the boycott has hit sales. Amazon and Google remain unrepentant and it will be interesting to see how long the public campaign persists and how much long-term brand damage is done. John Lewis, the leading British retailer, has said that it's benefiting as people switch purchases from Amazon to its online outlet – which has seen like-for-like sales up 40%. Staying with John Lewis, the retailer has just posted its best ever sales week and the soundtrack for its Christmas TV commercial has gone to the top of the UK charts. The retailer attributed its success to its omni-channel strategy as sales for the week ending 8 December were up 15% on the same week last year. Good value, service and advertising seem to work. Finally, Marketing Magazine has named BBH as its advertising agency of the year, with Abbott Mead Vickers BBDO coming in second. Future Brand took the honours as the branding agency of 2012, LBI won the digital category, PhD won media, and John Doe won PR. Congratulations to all of them. This is Jeremy Kent at the European Newsdesk for the advertising show.
2: Welcome back. This is the Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. we told you about Alex Ben Block, and if, you, if you've if you not met him before, well, this is a good first opportunity because you're going to love the guy as much as we do. Alex Ben Block, uh, welcome uh, welcome back to the show as we do our year-end uh,
0: uh, recap and wrap-up. Welcome to the Advertising Show.
3: Thank you, Ray and Brad. Always a pleasure to be here.
0: And always a pleasure to have you. Uh, our regular listeners know you are a, uh, a go-to guy and a standard... Uh, uh, appearance here on the advertising show throughout the year, but has become one of our traditional end-of-year features, uh, wrapping up the entire inter- entertainment industry. Who better to go to but Alex Ben Block? Let's Absolutely. begin, Alex, by talking about this year's box office hits, and I guess while we're talking about hits, we're going to have to throw in disappointments.
3: Well, uh, there certainly have been a share of disappointments this year, as well as hits, and uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, every year has those. But uh, personally, I'd rather talk about those who made all the big money, like The Avengers, the biggest movie of the year, which uh, grossed over $623 million just in the U.S. and uh, an equal amount overseas. Wow! And uh, so- among the other top grossing movies of the year, The Dark Knight Rises, uh, another big one with $448 million domestic. The Hunger Games, $408 million. The, tw- the uh, final movie in the Twilight Saga did 268 million domestic, and Spider-Man rounding up the top five with 262 million in uh, in the domestic take. So, uh, but you know it was odd because it started out as a slow year, and uh, the numbers were actually down, and the summer was uh, down considerably from past years. One of the worst summers in a long time, even though there was a lot of big movies. But uh, in November, with the arrival of Skyfall and, uh, and the, the Twilight Saga and some other movies, uh, we've seen the box office turn out turn up, and it looks like it's going to be a pretty good year.
0: So what do you think was the reason for the slow summer months?
3: Well, you know, it's always about the content. Either people like what, the, what your, what's out there or they don't like what's out there. And uh, in this particular summer, even though we had a lot of big titles, uh, you know, it just uh, wasn't uh, what people thought it was going to be.
0: Could, could the Olympics have had any influence or impact on that? I mean, it was still, what, two-, three-week uh, event there on television. Could that have impacted the movie industry?
3: Absolutely. I think the Olympics, and, uh, you know, I think uh, also uh, the elections, I think, were a factor. that caused a lot of disruptions in TV schedules and uh, caused people to be, well, have their head in other places. But uh, the Olympics clearly uh, hurt the box. Office. You know what else really hurt it? That shooting in Colorado, that terrible tragedy. Uh, it literally put a chill on movie attendance mm. for quite a while. And I think people were almost afraid after the uh, the Batman movie incident to go to the movies, uh, which was really unfortunate, but uh, that was kind of the way it was.
2: There was a lot of other promotions tied to that Batman movie as well, not only uh, around the country, but here in the in, in the Houston market as, as well. And some of those folks uh, actually uh, postponed and or canceled the venue after that just because of being afraid of uh, repercussions from that.
3: Yeah, I think it's gonna. you know, even now it still resonates with some people. I think, you know, the the history is that there's been other incidents in theaters over the years, and they do have a chilling effect, and the public has a pretty short memory, so after a while it does go away. But, uh, you know, I think uh, people are still concerned, and uh, really, uh, you know, I don't want to get into politics, but the, the issue of guns being so prevalent and available in our society is a continuing issue. And it's something that instead of getting under control... Uh, seems to be moving in the opposite direction. So as much as, uh, you know, murders were down in the past year, the number of people shot with guns was way up. And I think that uh, what happens in the real world does affect whether people want to go out to public venues, whether it's a sporting event or a movie. And I think uh, it did have an impact in this case.
2: I had a quick question, too, as it relates to guns. uh, You know, with the NFL stuff, uh, with the comments made by uh, that NFL uh, commentator, I do not remember his name. Uh, was it Dan, I believe? Um, uh, uh, talking about the fact that he's you know, really uh, standing up against uh, guns and, and, and so on and so forth. Do you know what I'm talking about, Alex?
3: Uh, yeah, I think I do. Uh, uh, was it Bob Costas?
2: Yes, it was Bob uh, a, Costas, right. He was yeah. on the
3: Piers Morgan show and uh, said that uh, something had to be done about the gun culture in the United States. Uh, well, actually, he, that, he did it at uh,
0: halftime during a game where he normally would just be talking sports, and yeah, he decides to yeah. take that topic.
3: All right, okay. So I think he must have done that and I maybe talked further about it. Because uh, he then also tied it to what he calls the culture of the National Football League, where there have been a lot of tragic events. And, of course, we recently had this uh, murder-suicide in, in football. And, uh, uh, you know, so gun control is a real issue. Uh, and if you're in the fantasy world of entertainment or sports... These things do intrude, and there is a real world all around you, and uh, you're part of it. Hmm.
0: You know, before we move on uh, out of box office hit category, you monitor, you know, the rollout of movies throughout the year. You know, can't anticipate the Colorado shootings, obviously, but the Olympics and the uh, the big the big uh, presidential vote was something we were all well aware of going into 2012. Did the studios anticipate this and roll out less? Uh, movies during the summer months.
3: Uh, I don't know if they rolled out less. Uh, they're, they're generally making and uh, distributing fewer, bigger movies anyway. But they did shift a lot of the dates, uh, and not just in the U.S., but particularly like in Europe, uh, a lot of movies were open earlier there than they were here because they just wanted to jump on it and try to get as much playing time as they could before they knew there was going to be this kind of dark period when the Olympics were going to suck all the uh, oxygen out of the room. And uh, so in the U.S., I think they also, uh, for the summer, some of the movie date- dating was done uh, around that, and uh, people trying to make sure that uh, their movies got exposure before everybody was inside watching TV.
0: Well, Ray, why don't we save uh, movie awards for next segment, because it's going to take more than just a, a few minutes to uh, have Alex weigh in on that.
2: Very good. On the advertising show with Ray Schillings and Brad Forsythe, glad you're listening today. It's our year-end recap, and this is from the, the top guy in the business as far as uh, the industry uh, info and everything. Alex Ben Block is an entertainment industry journalist, author, broadcaster, and show business historian. He uh, was the lead editor of uh, George Lucas's Blockbusting. He is senior editor of The Hollywood Reporter. We're going to come back and talk a little bit more with Alex here on The Advertising Show.
0: You're listening to the advertising show with Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth.
2: Back with you on the advertising show with Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth, and our very special guest out of LA this weekend as we wrap up the year, it's Alex Ben Block. Alex, welcome back. Thanks so much.
0: You know, uh, I guess it's no secret box office successes don't always translate to critical success. And with the award season upon us, Alex, uh, this year's uh, crop of great movies, I guess, will all be in the hunt for the prestigious as well as profitable movie awards. Share with us your thoughts on the expected award-winning movies for 2012 as we enter into the uh, award season here.
3: Well, early on, I think there's no question that Zero Dark Thirty – the movie about the hunt for Bin Laden, uh, made by the Hurt Locker team, uh, clearly is the front runner now for the Oscar. It has won a number of important awards, including the top honors from the New York Film Critics, from the National Board of Review. Uh, it didn't win the L. A. Critics Award, but it has won a number of others, and I think uh, you can kind of count on that one as being in there. Another movie which I admire greatly—I mean, I. Don't completely love, but I certainly admires Lincoln. Uh, it got the most nominations from the broadcast critics, who are a pretty good barometer of what the big award season movies are going to be. And I think Daniel Day-Lewis, in particular, for his portrayal of Abraham Lincoln, is a serious contender for uh, Best Actor. Uh, and I think Sally Field is uh, also highly likely to be nominated for Best Supporting Actress. Uh, but there's others, too. You know, Lincoln is actually a reasonably priced movie. It only costs about $65 million to make which is a lot of money to me, but in the movie business, not that much money. Uh, but there's some lower-priced movies that are continuous, too. There's a very interesting independent film made for about $2 million called The Beast of the Southern Wild. And uh, it hasn't been as wild, widely distributed as some, but it's uh, it's really a powerful movie in its own way and and really takes you into almost a different world in a different way. And then, of course, you know, there's Les Mis and... Uh, uh Silver Lining's playbook, which is an interesting picture, uh, which bradley Cooper stars in and uh kind of deals with the whole issue of uh depression and medication and and uh and life in a different way. And I think uh all of those are gonna be in the mix, uh, for what appears to be uh, you know, a pretty competitive award season, but if you gotta bet on something right now, bet on Zero Duck Thirty, uh, for best picture.
0: You know, uh, as you mentioned, the the capture of Bin Laden, Zero Dark Thirty movie, was all uh, teamed up around the uh, the the fi- fine folks that created the Hurt Locker, a great movie. Couldn't they have just used the same or similar type title, the Bin Laden Bedroom Saga, <laughs> dot 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 Hurt Locker? I mean,
3: <laughs> well, you know. they did hurt them. There's no question about that. <laughs> uh, in fact, if you've seen the movie, which I have. Uh, a lot of people get hurt because it's, a lot of it is about what they call the detainee program, where uh, waterboarding and other forms of torture were used to try and get information. And, uh, and it's very intense, and uh, it's Americans torturing Middle Easterners, but then, of course, it's balanced by Middle Easterners killing Americans and other people in a random and terrorist way. So, uh, you know, it's an ugly world, and that movie, it's hard to call it entertainment, but it certainly is a powerful, intense movie. And, uh, and it brings home a lot of what's going on in the world today and, and how governments and terrorists are fighting each other and how close we all are to the edge.
0: You know, just to follow up for a second on that, what, uh, there was a lot of controversy when Zero Dark Thirty just uh, that came out recently where there was conversation about uh, Navy SEALs on set and how much information was being put out that was maybe sensitive. What was the final on that? Alex?
3: Well, you know, uh, Catherine Bigelow is the director of this movie as well as Hurt doctor. And uh, she did come under fire from people who claimed, including some in Congress and on the political right, that she'd been given secret information and uh, inappropriate access to classified information about the mission and about how it went down and, and that she had incorporated it into the movie. However, she and the screenwriter of the movie have vigorously denied that. They say that uh, any information they got is uh, is available to the public uh, in some way, and that uh, you know it's not uh, that they broke the rules. I think at this point, the the question that's becoming even more important is whether or not Zero Dark Thirty advocates torture, and uh, and you know it makes waterboarding uh, look like something that was a good tool in the hunt for bin laden. There is some question about uh, the key bit of information they got that led to uh, bin laden. Uh, Waterboarding was used in the film, but some people say it wasn't actually used in real life. You know, once uh, Barack Obama became president, he outlawed a lot of the harshest forms of torture and the stuff that was going on, saying that for the U.S. to regain the moral ground, uh, we really have to uh, operate in a different way. And after that, those tools were taken away from these people. But in this movie, it makes you wonder if, uh, you know, if you're looking at it from the American point of view, if uh, that form of torture wasn't a good thing, if it can save thousands of lives and stop terrorist incidents and uh, make sure that there's not another, uh, you know, September 11th, that like tragedy in our future.
0: Really. Well, Vice President Cheney tends to line up with your final thoughts there and has said so uh, since leaving office. Let's uh, chat a little bit about uh the upcoming Oscars, as well as the jockeying around that's going on with the award season this year, I understand the Academy Awards is uh, getting a little paranoid about their timing and trying to move things around a bit.
3: Well, this has been going on for quite a while. Uh, the Academy, uh, and I don't always agree with this, but uh, they believe that there are too many award shows prior to the Oscars, and that it's become, the Oscars become too predictable. And so uh, they don't want to be the last one around. I, to me, it's the opposite. I think, uh, you know, it's sort of like in sports. You have the playoffs, and then eventually you get to the championship game, and the Oscars are the championship game. But the Academy members don't agree with that, and they keep moving the dates back. It used to be early April, the end of March. Uh, now the show is going to be February 24th. Mm. Uh, it used to be the nominations came out uh you know, somewhere in, uh, in late January or even February, now they're going to be out uh, January 15th, uh, which is actually a couple of days before the Golden Globes are given out, uh, after the Golden Globe nominations are announced, but before the awards are actually given out. So uh, little by little, they've been pushing it back. But, you know, one of the points of the Academy Awards, uh, aside from being some guy in Hollywood who wants to get his back patted, is to give movies uh, a recognition. And to allow people then to go to theaters and see some of these movies they might otherwise not see. But when you shorten things up so much, there isn't much time to get to the movie theater. And I think it takes away from the whole process. And uh, and it doesn't, you know, Oscar needs to be Oscar, but uh, clearly the people at the Academy don't agree with anything I've just said, and are moving in a completely different direction. Uh, And as a result, everybody else is squeezed into a very narrow period, and... the writers' guild, the directors' guild, the Golden Globes, the broadcast critics, everybody gets jammed in, and it all happens more quickly than it has in the past.
0: Hmm. Well, what what does that do for the strategy where where the studios are releasing a lot of movies in December to be a part of the 2012 uh, release, I guess, date, and will this impact that?
3: Well, it's already having some impact. They still can release the movies in December, but what it's forcing them to do is finish the post-production earlier. And it's not just the Academy Awards. The New York Film Critics and the National Board of Review, uh, the LA Film Critics, all came out with their selections in the first week of December. And so that means that uh, all of their members had to have seen all of the eligible movies prior to that, uh, many of which, of course, don't open to later, but they end up seeing them in special screenings or on so-called screeners on DVDs. But not every movie should be seen on a DVD. Uh, You know, The Life of Pi is a movie that really should be seen on the big screen, and you can't appreciate the quality of the movie and what they're trying to do visually. Uh, I think even Lincoln is a better movie on the big screen than it is on a screener, because even though it's very talky, the cinematography and the mood setting and being forced to sit with an audience and watch it is a different experience than trying to sit at home and listen to all that dialogue. So, uh, you know, the reality is that a lot of people can't get to the theaters, and so the screeners are the only way they're going to see it. And the uh, companies see awards as a promotional tool, so they're going to continue to do this, but it is all being pushed back earlier and earlier. What you're also going to see here is uh, a lot of uh, award uh, activity during the Christmas period, uh, when normally it's a blackout period for Hollywood and for the kind of people who vote on awards, but they have no choice. The uh, voting is so early they got to get them when they can and hope that if they give them a DVD while they're sitting skiing or sitting in Hawaii on the beach, they'll also be taking a break and watching movies. Who
2: knows?
0: You know, I don't know about you, Ray, but I think Lindsay Lohan is a great reason to hang on through the break and join us for next segment. What do you think?
2: <laughs> yeah, we've got a uh, – I actually have her restrained here, so she's not going anywhere. That's good. Nice-looking
0: ankle bracelet. Yeah, actually.
2: Absolutely. It's got a little few diamonds around it here with uh, Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. On the advertising show, we're at the movies this week with Alex Ben Block as we look back at uh, 2012. Now, next week, it's going to be part two. Uh, this interview we'll have Alex back and we'll talk about the television and a whole lot more here. But apparently Lindsay is in the green room and get that uh, get those MF away from her. We'll be back in just a minute. Hey Glad you're here at the Advertising Show with Ray Shillins and Brad Forrest. I've a special guest out of LA, a frequent guest on the advertising show. He is senior editor of the Hollywood Reporter. He also drops by other shows from time to time, like NPR, CanBC, NBC, CBS. You've heard of those as well, I'm sure. His name is Alex Ben Block with Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. You know, it's interesting, Alex. I see uh, with, with movies on the brain here, at least uh, for this show, I, I, I see movie theaters, even bigger and better and more amazing movie theaters, going up and, and, and I asked the question to myself why, do, why are they doing this how can they be possibly making money but I think you hit the nail on the head last segment with the fact that some things you just have to see at the theater that ain't going to go away right
3: Well I sure hope it's not going to go away you know we saw bookstores go away and music stores go away and there are a lot of the same forces that uh, caused that are at work in terms of movie theaters in other words people can watch them at home they have great home theaters they have big screens they have great sounds uh... but you know that experience of being part of a community especially if it's a comedy or a horror film or an action film uh... really is exhilarating and really adds to the experience and so uh... what's happened with movie theaters is they're trying to make them better and better in order to give you a reason to go there
2: Yeah.
3: so the stadium seating and the uh... 3d and the imax and uh, other things are being tried you know the hobbit now in forty eight frames which is pretty controversial because Some people say it makes them sick. Other people say it uh, it makes Hmm. it a better movie. Hmm. Uh, But all of these are really efforts to keep movie theaters relevant to the future. And uh, at this point, you've got a handful of big companies who dominate, Uh, Regal Cinema being the largest, but AMC, recently bought by the Chinese, uh, I think being about the second largest. Uh, And these companies are investing millions of dollars to build these great, great theaters. And there's also this trend uh, toward theaters that serve... uh, quality food and liquor, so you can enjoy those while you're watching the movie. Uh, And a lot of other amenities Or movie theaters that are part of complexes that have all kinds of other attractions. Uh, So I think uh, exhibition has adapted. They went through a really terrible period in the 2000s. A lot of them went bankrupt, but they've adapted, and uh, hopefully they're going to stick around for a while, because I don't know about you guys, but i like to go to a movie theater and see it on the big screen. and. It is a different experience that you don't get at
0: home. Yeah, you really can't replace that experience, right, Brad? No, you can't. And by the way, Ray, this just in Lindsay Lohan has left our green room unexpectedly. <laughs> so uh Yeah, she took your car, Brad. I hope you don't mind. You know, as you were ta- as you were talking, Alex, I thought about all the younger people that I see watching, heaven forbid, on their smartphone, but on uh you know tablets as well, movies, and I'm wondering how much of this is really just extending the reach of movies as opposed to any kind of cannibalization that may take place at the box office. What's your well, thoughts on that? are
3: watching that? more movies than they ever have, there's no question. They're just not watching them in movie theaters. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and there's some movies that maybe you're okay to watch on your smartphone. Uh, you're in the airport, you put a little earpiece in, uh, maybe a Bluetooth earpiece and you're watching uh, the movie and you're being entertained uh, on your, uh, you know, some kind of electronic device, or a tablet, whatever it is. Uh, but there are other movies, like I say, that are too big for those devices and that really yeah. lose a lot of what they're about. I mean, do you really want to see the Dark Knight Rises or the Avengers uh, or the Amazing Spider-Man on a, on a smartphone? You can do it. It doesn't make it a good idea. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I think it changes the whole experience. I know I've had movies that I've seen in uh, in a theater and then later saw it on TV and I thought, gee, I like that movie so much, Now I don't know why. Because i watched it on TV, it doesn't seem like nearly as good a movie. And then occasionally you, know, you discover a movie on TV because it's the kind of movie that can be shot in one room and, and it's got great dialogue, and in the theater it didn't look like much. So I don't know.
0: You know we we joke around but it's really a a tragedy waiting to happen with regard to Lindsay Lohan she's I thought she was on you know the right course there I think most people did and now I understand she has problems in two separate states Alex
3: Yeah Lindsay Lohan's kind of a sad thing you know we all watched her grow up she's only 26 years old and uh she started out as a child star and she did some interesting stuff and uh uh you know we all kind of adopted her as part of our society uh and she has done other activities she's done some fashion design and modeling and even recording uh you know but what's happened recently is that uh she's gotten into a lot of legal problems uh, there was this so-called fight in a nightclub recently and she's already on probation um, and uh, did she steal a necklace she was on probation for that and uh you know and she actually was in jail for a short period so uh you know, this is kind of the tragedy. And then this movie, Liz and Dick, I don't know if you guys saw it or not. It was a TV no. movie about Elizabeth Deller and Richard Burton.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. And,
3: uh, and I didn't think she was terrible. I thought the movie was terrible. Uh, you know, really the dialogue and didn't really tell the story very well and didn't really capture these uh, these great artists uh, in a way that, that was entertaining and encompassing and, and engaging. Uh, but it was a poor choice. She apparently, was paid about $300,000 to do it. Uh, Larry Thompson, who's the producer of the movie, was quoted uh, saying, uh, uh, Hiring Lindsay Lohan is not for the faint of heart.
2: <laughs>
3: and uh, and actually, they even had a car and a driver for her, and she had to say in her contract she wouldn't drive during that period. And yet, she still went out and drove and got into an accident on uh, Pacific Coast Highway, Denied that she was the driver. She may or may not have been the driver. She said she wasn't. The police say she was. So she's facing charges over that. Uh, But I guess uh, what I'm really saying is in this media world, uh, some people get caught up in the swirl of events, and their life plays out in the most public and horrible way. And she seems to be one of those people who is kind of a self-made victim, and, uh, and her terrible life has been playing out in front of us. And she's still young enough, but I hope she can turn it around. But, you know, I've seen other young people and their careers go away. In some cases, their life goes away. And uh, so you got to worry about her. Even though I don't know her and I don't have any personal connection to her, uh, nobody wants to see what happens to Lindsay Lohan happening to Lindsay Lohan.
0: Right. You know, speaking of uh, life playing out in a public arena, Arnold Schwarzenegger, your fine former governor of the state of California, I assume that's where you are today. Uh, This guy's uh, had a a life in the public eye from both uh, a political standpoint but also on a personal level. How's his acting career going?
3: Well, the fact he has one again is the first surprise. You know, (laughs) we all know that... uh, He was in a lot of big movies, and he had a big career. And uh, you know, he started out as Mister Universe, and then later on, he went on to become uh, an actor of note. And then he became uh, the governor of California. He wasn't uh, someone who I admired as governor, and uh, but uh, he served essentially a term in three quarters. And uh, and then, luckily, is no longer doing that. Uh, But now he is returned to acting, and it seems kind of odd to me, to tell you the truth, to see him back doing this stuff. Uh, you know, he was in the uh, Expendables. Uh, he's in something called The Last Stand as a dishonored Los Angeles cop. Uh, and now he's coming back as uh, Conan the Barbarian. And uh, to think about him, uh, I don't know, what that guy wears a loincloth or something. You know, it's mm. not something at this age that I really want to see. <laughs> uh, but uh, look, uh, he is in many ways a very smart and very talented guy. Uh, he did his thing in politics, and now he's back being an actor again. And uh, I have no doubt that his troubles, uh, we saw his divorce and his personal life and his affairs all played out, uh, you know, have have soiled his uh, reputation. But uh, in Hollywood, that means more publicity, and let's put him in more movies, and maybe he'll make us more money.
2: He also soiled his
0: line cloth, but that's another story.
2: Mm.
3: Yeah, well, and uh, whoever has it deserves it.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, and of course, every, it's another actor where you see – who he's uh, going out on on his wife, and you say, hmm, I think I would have stuck with my wife. But anyway, moving on, uh, we we wanted to approach the category, and this will be our final category of the show, uh, category being the most undervalued news or the most under the radar uh, happening this past year in the entertainment world. And you say that there are several, but at the top of the list would have to be the explosion of Lionsgate.
3: You know, Lionsgate is the little studio that can. Uh, We all know Paramount and Fox and Disney. You know, there's six or seven big studios that have been around for 100 years. Uh, Lionsgate isn't one of them, but today Lionsgate is competitive with those studios. It's really become a big factor. Uh, And if you don't know Lionsgate, uh, let me give you a couple of the movies that you've probably seen. The Hunger Games, uh, The Twilight Saga, uh, because they acquired Summit Entertainment in the last year. Uh, Lionsgate is actually a Canadian-based company that also has major operations in the United States. And uh, besides movies, they also have a bigger interest in TV. They do the show Mad Men. Uh, they're doing the uh, return of Charlie Sheen and Anger Management coming up on the FX Network. But uh, on the movie side, uh, they really have done an impressive job. There's a couple of more Hunger Games movies coming. Their stock has about doubled in the past year. And uh, many, many people have tried to come into Hollywood and form studios, and, and most of them are roadkill. Most of them lose their money and whimper and, you know, get out of town. But these are smart guys, and they've been very conservative. They've built a big library. They've uh, done this step-by-step, step and uh, they continue to thrive. And uh, at this point, uh, they're doing better than MGM, which is trying to come back from the dead. Uh, and they're up there with some of those big studios. So uh, people don't talk about uh, Alliance Gate unless you're in the financial world and how successful they've been in the past year or two and in recent years. But under John Feldheimer's direction, and he's been there now since around 2000, uh, they really have emerged as a major studio. And that's something that very few people or companies have been able to do in Hollywood in the last hundred years. So I give him a lot of credit
0: for it. Well, that's a show for us, don't you think, Ray?
2: I think that's a that's a wonderful show, at least as we get part one of two here. At the Advertising Show, next week we'll take you to the uh, the smaller screen. And when I say that, I mean something smaller than 55 inches, if you know what I'm saying. On the Advertising Show, Alex Ben Block. will be back with Alex next week. And we want to say thanks to you for listening today to the Advertising Show. It's being brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. Visit online at adage.com. Dot com. The Advertising Show is a copyrighted Big Radio Midget production. It is powered by an incredible machine called Shipple.com, a platform called Tendency. Check it out. There are web partners, and they do one heck of a great job. It's S-C-H-I-P-U-L.com, Shippel.com. Thanks, guys. Back next week with more of Alex Ben Block here on The Advertising Show. Be nice to people as you shop and drive this holiday season, okay? Thanks. To sign up for free daily email alerts, visit IWantMedia.com.